Howdy everybody, Dr. Andy Woods here. I'm the pastor teacher here at Sugarland Bible Church. Today is September the 15th, 2023. This is Pastor's Point of View number 272. I'm back with my friend, colleague, fellow elder, associate pastor, Dr. Jim McGowan. And we have an aggressive schedule today as we seek to do a, a prophecy update. You can look at the screen there, those of you that are watching this. And you'll see the categories that we're going to cover. You know, the, the world is moving against Israel, including mm. our own country. Yes. And most people don't even know what's happening. Mm. Um, we've got more in the news about the Third Temple. Uh, some interesting updates coming on the Gog-Magog um, alignment. Uh, uh, tyranny is on the march, Brother Jim, mm. uh, right down to some, I don't know what else to call it, sheer acts of tyranny. Yes. Here in the United States, and the United States is being toppled from within through uh, critical race theory mm. and cultural Marxism, as some of our key institutions, you know, have been basically taken over yeah. uh, uh, on that particular topic. So, with all that being said, let's jump right in and take a look at our first bullet point the world against Israel, our biblical starting point for. That discussion is uh, usually a couple of prophecies from the book of Zechariah. Would you mind reading Zechariah 12, verse 3? All right. As always, reading from the New American Standard Update 95 version, Zechariah 12, 3. It will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. And then a parallel passage um, found in uh, Zechariah 14, verse 2. All right, Zechariah 14, 2. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. I mean, Bible prophecy is very clear that yes. the entire world, wouldn't that include the United States? Indeed. Would turn against Israel in the last days. And most people look at the United States as if it's a pro-Israel country, and that's our heritage. But I'm here to tell you that there are policies that are now being enacted that are shifting the United States against Israel. Very true. And it's all being done under the radar screen uh, it was started by the Obama administration mm -hmm. when he was leaving office in 2016, and now the Biden administration, which I consider to be Obama's third term, mm. is reenacting those policies, trying to erase a lot of the pro-Israel policies that were enacted under the Trump administration. Yeah. And that's why I found this particular article from um, tablemag.com excuse me, tabletmag.com, so instructive. It says Biden backdoors Israel mm. in the UN, rescinding Trump's recognition of sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Help, help us with that article. All right. Sometimes U.S. foreign policy is what you see on the news. Increasingly, however, changes in policy are hidden from view because they're unpalatable to many Americans. The growing divide between the policies that America claims to be pursuing and the policies that it is implementing on the ground poses a growing threat to America's global standing, as well as to its democracy, which is supposed to exert oversight of foreign policy through Congress. 
Nowhere is the split between formal U.S. policy and the stealth agendas being implemented by U.S. policymakers more glaring and toxic than in the Middle East. Now, what we need to understand is we're de as we're dealing with Middle East policy, particularly related to Iran and Israel, cha changes are happening without congressional oversight. Unbelievable. And this takes us back to um, bottom of page two from our notes here. United Nations um, Security Council Resolution 2334. Interestingly, this is the first topic we covered in our very first pastor's point of view that we sought to do wow. way back when. Mm -hmm. But remind us of what the Obama administration was doing at that point. All right. Obama adopted the so-called 1967 lines as the official U.S. position on Israel and its conflict with neighboring Arabs. The resolution called upon all states to distinguish in their relevant dealings between the territory of the state of Israel and the territories occupied since 1967, and reaffirmed that all Israeli communities established in territory, quote, occupied since 1967, including East Jerusalem, have no legal validity. It meant that the U.S. had adopted the position of Israel's enemies on East Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, as well as on the Golan Heights. And interrupting you just for a minute, that's what that United Nations Security Council Resolution 2334 was all about. Mm -hmm. It's looking at Israel through um, a pre-1967 lens. Yes. And just as a reminder, in 1967, that's when Israel got back what's called the West Bank, yes. better called Judea and Samaria, got control of J Jerusalem. And they're trying to pretend that, that Israel doesn't own that territory and right. she never really won that war in a war of self-defense. It's not legally hers anyway. Right. That's what the Obama administration mm. started pushing. That paved way to United Nations Security Council Resolution 2231, but help, help us understand that. All right, UNSCR 2334 was the twin <laughs> of UNSCR 2231, the resolution Obama used to lock in his deal with Iran at the Security Council. Obama's object objective in both cases was to bypass Congress and to tie the hands of his successor by etching his preferences what people like to call his legacy, in Security Council resolutions. Both planks of Obama's legacy were cracked by Donald Trump, mm. who made two historic moves of his own, moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem and recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. So in 2016, Donald Trump, you know, is elected... And he reverses, you know, some of this mentality. Yes, he he moves our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, indicating that Jerusalem belongs to Israel in the process. And he recognizes um, uh, Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Now, before you keep reading, let's put up a couple of maps here of the Golan Heights, just so we can show people, you know, where the Golan Heights are. It's uh, that area there, it's, un it's circled in red. It's sort of a buffer zone <clears throat> between uh, Israel proper and Syria. Yes. And we have another picture of it. Uh, you'll notice it's a buffer zone, a rocky area separating 
Israel from Syria. And, and, and the, the Golan Heights annexation is basically saying that area, that rocky area, which you can see is obviously very strategic militarily. Yes. I mean, that's the only thing separating Israel from Syria. And by the way, where are the big three? Mm. Russia, Turkey, and Iran, they all have a presence now in Syria. That's exactly right. What's the only thing separating the nation of Israel from the big three perched in Syria is the Golan Heights. Mm -hmm. And Trump came along and basically recognized that the Golan Heights belong to Israel. And so Trump <laughs> did two major things, you know, to help the nation of Israel. Yes. Um, now, enter the picture of the Biden administration. What, what are they now doing? Now that Trump has been deposed and the Biden administration has ascended to the throne. Oh. And, did, and did you want to add something to that? No, no. Keep going. You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> something happened this past June. Yes. All right. Here it is. You ready, folks? This past June, the administration took measures to reaffirm Obama's UNSCR 2334 legacy, issuing new guidance to government agencies ending scientific and technological cooperation with Israel in geographic areas which came under the administration of Israel after 1967. Now, when this happened, we covered it on PPOV. And it relates to the administration saying, um, we'll do, you know, scientific and technological <laughs> cooperation with Israel as long as she's with the territories we're dealing with mm -hmm. are within her 67 borders. Right. So right. anybody, any uh, scientific and technological cooperation with anybody, you know, within the disputed territories, the mm -hmm. occupied territories, sorry, uh, no scientific and uh technological assistance, funding, or guidance to you. It's and tying so, hands. It's it? tying hands, and he, he reversed a policy. Yeah. Uh, and mm. it get, cheer up, folks. It gets worse. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. The language in the resolution pertaining to the Golan Heights, which the Biden administration had signed off on, has the U.S. government agreeing for the first time to the introduction of language in the UNSCR referring to the occupied Shabbat farms. Since the U.S. does not consider the farms to be Lebanese, but rather a part of the Golan Heights, the Biden administration had effectively reversed the official American position recognizing Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights without having to make an official policy announcement. So what Trump did by recognizing the Golan Heights as belonging to Israel has now been reversed yeah. based on language of the Biden administration. Uh, no public policy announcement, no congressional vote, oversight, no. anything. It's just happening under the radar. Yeah. And uh, mm. they're also trying to reverse the, or trying to downplay, I should say, the movement of our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. As noted earlier, the administration has been working to reopen the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem, which Trump shut down and has specifically expressed its desire to have it in East Jerusalem. That is, the Biden administration had inserted its agenda on the 1967 lines and Jerusalem into the Saudi-Israeli process. You want your historic deal, Bibi? Sign here. See, this is what the Biden administration is doing. You, you want the normalization with Saudi Arabia, which I guess the U.S. is playing a significant role in brokering. They're, they're pressuring Israel, uh, reversing what the Trump administration did. Yeah. Uh, uh, right down to the Jerusalem uh, embassy move, 
right down to Golan Heights recognition and annexation, they're they're putting policies into effect to reverse mm-hmm. uh, the good things that Trump did. Yes. And uh, they're taking us back to 2016, uh, the the Obama policy. And I find this very interesting. I find it sad, first mm-hmm. of all, because I'm an American. Yeah. And my Bible says, as does yours, God blesses those who bless Israel and That's curses right. those who curse Israel, taking away from Israel strategic uh, uh, territories or not recognizing that they own them, mm-hmm. that they need to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't think that bodes well, yeah. you know, for the United States of America. And you're going to toss something in? I was going to add, you know, that the thing that we keep forgetting and we're good about reminding people is that the issue isn't that it's Israel's land. It's God's land. Yeah, it's, God's See, God, it's God's land, and he's loaned it to Israel. That's right. <laughs> and if that weren't enough, you have our next article here from Times of Israel, where you have now over 3,500. Mm. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. Of the, uh, what I would call the movers and shakers, uh, academics, writers, artists. What are they doing? They're urging Biden and the UN chief to snub Netanyahu, yeah. because he's on he he's pushing for the Trump policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, help us with that article. A group of over three thousand five hundred Israeli academics, writers, artists, former diplomats, and other public figures on Friday called on U.S. President Joe Biden and UN Secret, uh, General Secretary Antonio Guterres not to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu during the upcoming General Assembly Summit in New York over his government's controversial policies. The White House has repeatedly expressed disapproval of many statements and policies emanating from members of Netanyahu's hardline government, as well as with the judicial overhaul plan that has roiled the country. The writers accused Netanyahu of legitimizing racist, ultranationalistic, religious fundamentalists, mm. and homophobic political parties that until now operated at the margins of Israel's political discourse, and this solely for the purpose of his political survival. From the outset of establishing his extreme right-wing government, Mr. Netanyahu's coalition has worked tirelessly to undermine the gatekeepers of Israel's democracy, weaken the Supreme Court, neutralize the media, and destroy the few checks and balances safeguarding the health of our nation, they added. Now, these are Jewish, Israeli intellects. Liberal intellects. That are pushing this, and that's exactly right. They're liberal Jews. Now, what's interesting is... uh, I would I would venture to say that very few of them actually live in Israel, because when you live there and you're surrounded by mm-hmm. Islamic theocracies, you know, threatening to drive you into the Mediterranean Sea, you kind of have a different perspective on life than, than when you're sitting in an air-conditioned building in New York or something or yes. something like that. Yes. And so uh, this is the pressure that um, uh, Biden is being put under. I don't think he's really being put under pressure because this is what he wants to do anyway. But I bring all this up because a lot of these things are happening under the radar. Most people don't even know they're happening because there's no congressional oversight on these things. And the world is turning against Israel, the nation of Israel, just like God said it would in the end times. I mean, we always said at 
some former substance, the U.S. has to shift its policy towards Israel. And I think that's, we're seeing, you know, that process unfold. Would you add I, I'm a little bit cynical, so forgive me, but, you know, the, this so-called pressuring that they're yeah. putting on Biden, I think really it's probably more likely that that he is interpreting it that way intentionally for mm-hmm. show because mm-hmm. because uh, obviously he has to respond yeah. to that pressure right yeah and biden you know what is he at the end of the day i mean he's just uh <laughs> yeah, he's just a empty vessel he he really uh, is God bless him. and he's an empty vessel that the left just pours their policies into yeah um so let's move on to our second area here the th- the third temple is in the news again prospects for the third temple. Where do we get a coming third temple from? It's from Daniel <laughs> chapter 9, verse 27. What does that say? Daniel nine twenty-seven, And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. And we have this prophecy in graphic form, um, Daniel 9.27, an overview of the tribulation period, which will be seven years. And we know that midway through... According to this prophecy, the Antichrist will desecrate the, the rebuilt Jewish temple, something that can't happen unless you have a rebuilt Jewish temple. Right. So anything related to temple number three in the news we think is prophetically significant. Absolutely. And uh, here you'll see our list of Israel's four temples. We're dealing here with temple three. Um, Israel hasn't had a temple for 2,000 years, but we know that temple right. number three is on the horizon. And so with all of that being said, notice this particular article from Israel365news.com. World leaders announce a railway <laughs> that may bring pilgrims to the third temple. Wow. So what's this all about? Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Saturday hailed the U.S.-led initiative to create a rail and shipping link that will connect India with the Middle East and Europe as the start of a unique and unprecedented era of global and regional cooperation. Israel will be a central junction in this economic corridor with Israeli railroads and ports apart of this new gateway, which will run from India through the Middle East to Europe and back, the prime minister said. Now, what's interesting is you're dealing with this economic corridor, Mm -hmm. this railway that they're constructing. And you look at this article and you go down towards the end and you have a rabbinic interpretation. (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Of what this is going to mean for temple number three. So what does that say? Rabbi Yakutiel Fish, who writes a gula and Kabbalah blog in Hebrew called Sad HaKashmav, the se- meaning the secret energy, linked the train system to the third temple, quoting, For 2,000 years the Jews were living in a reality prophesied by Balaam as a people that dwells apart. Rabbi Fish said, As long as Israel is a nation apart, we can never fulfill our role as a nation of priests in a house of prayer for all nations. Quoting again, becoming part of a transportation network will help this happen. Hashem, God literally meaning the name, is preparing the way for the pilgrims from around the world to arrive at the temple, Rabbi Fish said. 
quoting, practically a train is the best means to serve the temples, the temple, since it can carry many more people without the dangers or of traffic jams associated with highways, Fish said. In Gamatria, which is Hebrew numerology, Rakavet means train, and it equals 622, precisely the same as Har excuse me, Har Habayit, the Temple Mount. So that's the rabbinic interpretation of this economic corridor. Yeah. I mean, they they interpret it as, oh my goodness, look at all the, look at how conducive this is to Temple Number Three. It's almost like they look at Temple Number Three as a done deal. Yeah. And all these things that are coming into construction now, yeah. these economic corridors and and so forth are um, not antagonistic toward temple number three, yeah. but are going to, you know, enhance it and make it more likely and more probable. And so, you know, some have put it this way, when the discussion of the world moves to Israel, you know, you're on the hour hand. Mm-hmm. When the discussion of the world moves to Jerusalem, now we're dealing with the minute hand. And when the discussion of the world hits temple three, which is where we're at. Yes. We're dealing with the second hand. Wow. I mean, the tribulation period must be approaching very, very quickly. God's prophetic time clock. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. So let's move on to our uh, four, uh, excuse me, our third category, and this has to do with the Gog-Magog alignment. And I hope people understand that it's we're dealing here not just with a prophecy here and there, but we're dealing with all of these prophecies coming together in confluence. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so the as all of these other things are transpiring, what Ezekiel 38 and 39 anticipates concerning the Gog-Magog invasion, uh, the alignment is coming together exactly like God said. So here's the map that we typically use to discuss this. Uh, there's going to be a great invasion of the nation of Israel in the end times. We find this in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Yes. Uh, Two of the invaders will be Rosh or Russia and Persia and Iran. And so both countries, according to Ezekiel's prophecy, have to become, number one, hostile towards Israel, which mm-hmm. is happening. Yeah. And number two, they have to start cooperating with each other, yeah. I would think, as stage setting. And so this article from the Jerusalem Post, you know, we find very interesting it says Russia and Iran weapons supply chain puts Israel at risk. And it quotes here the Mossad chief, uh, his last name is Barnea, and how he believes this year, okay, think about this, this year, um, his intelligence agency and other intelligence bodies have thwarted 27 Mm. 27, just this year, terrorist plots against the Israelis on almost every continent staged from Iran. Crazy. Yeah. What's going on here? The Mossad and other intelligent bodies have thwarted 27 Iranian terrorist plots against Israelis on almost every continent so far this year. Mossad director David Barnea said Sunday he and his allies had a hand in blocking Russian-Iranian arms deals 
which could have led to Iran getting more advanced weapons. Barnea hinted during a speech at Rikum University's International Counterterrorism Conference. The first, the, the first factor feeding Iran's overinflated ego is the assistance it has been giving Russia through the sale of UAVs, he said. Quoting, we know that the Iranians were planning to sell Russia short-range and long-range missiles too, but this deal has been interdicted. I have a feeling that more deals will be interdicted soon. We are concerned that the Russians will meet Iran's demands to supply it with weapons and raw materials that will put Israel at risk. Israel is ready to exact a price from the highest officials in the heart of Iran, if necessary, to defend Israel from Iran's attacks and threats, Barnea said. The world needs to understand the danger of a terrorist state that also becomes a nuclear state, Barnea said, adding that Iran will never get a nuclear weapon. I hope people understand wow. what a big deal this is. is. I mean, you have arms deals going on constantly between Russia and Iran to the point where these arms deals look like they're paving the way for a, a, an at atomic Ayatollah <laughs> or a, a nuclear Iran. You have the Iranians, the number one state sponsor of terror around the world, having their agenda thwarted 27 times to wipe out Jews uh, by the Mossad. Mm -hmm. And I guess my point is exactly what Ezekiel said would happen in the last days is happening. Yeah. You know, Iran used to be a friend of Israel pre-1979 mm -hmm. until the Islamic Revolution there. Russia, uh, prior to the Communist Revolution of 1917, used to be a Christian Orthodox country. Sure did. And here is Ezekiel 2,600 years ago saying those countries are going to turn against Israel. Yeah. And here it is. And here it's happening, and here they're cooperating with yeah. each other. And here the Mossad has to go into overdrive mm -hmm. to stop one terrorist attack after another terrorist attack to wipe out the Jewish people. Yes. Um, you know, what more evidence do we need of the time period that we're living in <laughs> Amen, brother. than, you know, some of these news, news clippings related to mm -hmm. Iran and Russia, Persia and Rosh, I'd love to just keep talking about this forever, but we have a time limitation. So let's go to, would you add anything to that? I just was saying, you know, God says in his word that he's exalted his word <laughs> above his name. Amen. And boy, is he fulfilling his word. Oh, my word. Mm. My word. God's word, not my yes, word is the important word. one. Um, let's go to our fourth area here. Got a lot to talk about under global tyranny. Liberty mm. and freedom, Brother Jim, is yeah. not winning the day. Nope totalitarianism is right here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. True. And that's prophetically significant. Notice Daniel 7, verse 23. Daniel 7, 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. So <laughs> two things we typically point out here, the whole earth global. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, when it uses language like crush and tread down, it's tyrannical. Yes. It's a, it's a government that just tramples right over the rights of its citizens. I mean, the citizens are nothing more than serfs, yeah. you know, or, or slaves. Yeah. And we're here to tell folks that this um, government of the Antichrist 
is being constructed as we speak. There's, there's different correct. arms to it. It's interesting to watch it develop. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those arms is religious. Yes. You know, the New World Order has a political angle, an economic angle, and a religious angle. And if you want to see the kind of the spiritual veneer that's placed over it, just look at the Pope <laughs> and the things yeah. that he says. Uh, the Pope, particularly this current Pope, is, is a mouthpiece, you know, for the coming New World Order. And that's why this article from the Jerusalem Post is very interesting. It says the Pope decries, you know, how come it never says the Pope opens his Bible and preaches? Mm. How come it never says the Pope preaches the gospel? Uh, what, what this Pope does all the time is he decries terrible world war mm. on the environment and announces in a new writing where he calls on nature as a sacred gift from the creator. And oh, what boy. the Pope is doing is he's putting a kind of a spiritual Christian, and I put Christian obviously mm -hmm. in quotation marks, yeah. spin, a Christianese spin on the climate change agenda. Mm -hmm. Because we know what the climate change agenda is about. It's about deep depopulation and uh, degrowth. It's a degrowth depopulation movement. And it, the whole agenda is designed to convince people that we're causing a planetary crisis and so we need to be restricted right which paves the way for you know big government totalitarianism by the way it's a global problem we're told so we need global governance governance yeah. as a solution and here comes the pope you know functioning almost like the second beast of revelation 13 um who, who will be a very mm -hmm. religious figure and here comes the pope saying, oh, this is all spiritual, you know, all you uh, Catholics out there or so-called Christians out there, you ought to embrace this, you know, this is a spiritual issue. But anyway, help us with that. It's art. kind of foreshadowing, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Pope Francis announcing that he will, will issue a new document on the protection of nature, said on Wednesday he was doing so because a terrible world war against the environment was taking place. Describing nature as a sacred gift from the Creator, the Pope urged people to take the side of the victims of environmental and climactic injustice. Wow. In the eight years, this is, I think, John Kerry talking here. In the eight years since uh, Laudato Si, which means praised be, was published, the world has seen an increase in extreme weather events, such as more intense and prolonged heat waves, more frequent wildfires, and more severe hurricanes. Francis said last month that such events showed that more urgent action was needed to tackle climate change and appealed to world leaders, quote, to do something more concrete to limit polluting emissions. So the recent heat waves, the recent fires in Maui, I mean, obviously our economic behavior is causing all that. So accept limitations on your behavior. Yes. And, and we will provide those limitations. And, and by the way, th this, is the, this is what God wants you to do. Mm. This is the Christian thing mm. to do because Boy. after all, it's the Pope, you know, speaking about it. Yeah. I mean, this is a very important element of the New World Order. A lot of people miss this because they, they analyze everything from just a political angle. Mm -hmm. And to understand the New World Order you can't analyze it just from politics. There's right. a, there's a deep 
spiritual component. Absolutely. Um, that's why he's calling, uh, you know, the earth a, a gift from the creator mm-hmm. and all of these kinds of things. Um, so, and, and and this is paving the way, sadly, Brother Jim, ultimately for one world tyranny. There's There's a political angle to this because we had, according to... ExposeNews.com, Klaus Schwab, leader of the WEF, the World Economic Forum, he just spoke, and it kind of looks like he kind of pushed his way into the meeting, the way I'm reading this. He just spoke at a group called Association of Southeast Asian Nations, A-S-E-A-N, and he's urging world leaders to grant the World Economic Forum full government control over nations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't need your freedom. Uh, we'll, we'll take it from you because we know what's best. Yeah. So, I mean, is he really being that transparent? Um, some of his comments that he recently made, you know, look pretty transparent to me. But yes. what, what is this article talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think, I think urging is a soft pedal of what he said. <laughs> and, right. and listen to this, folks. Schwab issued the chilling message during an address at this week's Association of South, Southeast Asian Nations Summit. According to Schwab, governments must embrace the WEF's agenda if they want to survive in the dystopian future unfolding before our very eyes. During his speech, Schwab outlined his plans for the merging of state and corporate power. Speaking at the summit, Schwab ordered government <laughs> leaders to cooperate with the WEF or face losing power and influence in the new globalist landscape. Schwab boasted to global leaders re- uh, gathering for the summit that the world will look differently after his Great Reset agenda has been ushered in. He referred to the completion of his plans as a transition that the world will have gone through. What we have to confront is a deep systemic and structural restructuring of our world, German, German economist Schwab said, quoting, again, this will take some time and the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process. That's the voice of the New World Order. Wow. They want to confront a deep systemic and structural restructuring. And then he says the world's going to look a lot different when we're finished. Well, gee, I, I bet it will look a lot different. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll yeah. I think it'll look a lot like Daniel 7, 23 sure will. by the time these people finish. Sure will. Um, if you want to know what tyranny looks like oh, as it's it's spreading throughout the world it, it's tyranny's happening right here in the united states of america um i know this issue is near and dear to all of our hearts <laughs> it should be this comes from uh, fox news and it says the n- new mexico governor shocks with comment about the mm-hmm. constitution after issuing a temporary gun ban, unbelievable, saying that the Second Amendment, you know, is not an absolute right. What's going on here? All right. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's uh, is the Democrat issued an emergency public health order on Friday, suspending the right to carry guns in public across Albuquerque and the surrounding Bernalillo County for at least 30 days following the shooting death of three children in the area. 
after a reporter questioned whether Grissom was upholding her oath to the Constitution, she argued no constitutional rights were fixed, including her oath. Quoting, no constitutional right in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute, she retorted. Grisham cited restrictions on free speech as an example of how rights can be curtailed in emergency situations. Quoting again, the governor of New Mexico is using a public health order to suspend a right guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. Interrupting you just for a second. So she's suspending the rights of gun owners for 30 days based on a health order. Yes. Let's, let's keep that in mind. Yes. No, no law. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but executive action. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And this was from uh, Ron DeSantis, his press secretary, yes. Jeremy Redford. He said that the governor of New Mexico is, is using a public health order to suspend a right guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. And then D.C. versus Heller and McDonald versus Chicago would disagree. It says the order, in my view, is flagrantly unconstitutional under existing Second Amendment precedent, legal scholar Jonathan Turley wrote. Now, Jonathan Turley is an interesting guy because he's a Democrat, but he's also <laughs> an intellectually honest thank God, constitutionalist, and you have clear rulings. In fact, this Heller case was Justice, the late Justice Anthony Scalia's crowning achievement. Yes. Uh, and then another case that followed it called McDonald versus Chicago. You can't suspend people's gun rights. Right. And here comes this uh, governor. Uh, uh, to me, she's acting like a, an emperor or an empress or wh whatever she is. And she's saying because of an issue that happened there, we're going to take your guns away for 30 days. But, but trust us, we'll give them right back. Does that, does that kind of remind you, Brother Jim, of what we went through in 2020? We're going to just shut down for two weeks, and then the lockdown went on and yes. on and yes. on and yes. on. And anybody that says 30 days, that's like saying to somebody, um, you can talk, but we're going to take away your free speech rights for just 30 days. That's the equivalent of what she's doing with yeah. guns. Yeah. Oh, oh, you can go to church. Go ahead and go to church. But um, we're just going to ask you to, because your rights are not absolute. Yeah. So mm. instead of uh, four Sundays of the month, mm. we, we would like you to go, you know, three Sundays of the month. Um, that's what she's saying she has the power to do as governor. No legislation passed here at all. It's no. just her imposing this. Yeah. And that's what she means when she says your Second Amendment rights are not absolute. And folks, if they can do it with the Second Amendment related to a health order, mm -hmm. um, that opens Pandora's box to, sh to take away any right you have based on some pre-existing health order, based on some executive uh, order of a governor with, with no law in place to do it whatsoever. That's, that's the dictatorship that's forming yeah. in New Mexico. Well, the thing that stands out to me here is the fact that, you know, if they would just enforce the gun laws that are in place, yeah. maybe those children wouldn't have been killed. Yeah. That's one thing that's important to keep in mind. The other thing is I wonder if they're going to track now the individuals who suffer gun violence because of this imposed ban. That's exactly right. Um, mm. You know, this issue of not enforcing existing laws, you kind of get the impression that they purposely don't enforce them I, I, so yes. that these kind of mm -hmm. emergencies will occur 
So now they have an excuse to take away, suspend people's constitutional rights. I think you're you're hitting on something. And let's remind ourselves here of what the Declaration of Independence says. Um, Let's 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 forget, let's forget Heller, let's forget the McDonald case, important precedents. But Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the Declaration of Independence, and you can see from the screen that the name of God is invoked over and over again in the Declaration of Independence, right there. The second one down says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And then it says they are endowed by their creator Mm -hmm. with certain unalienable rights, Mm -hmm. meaning rights that can't be taken away, because they don't come from the governor. Right. And they don't come from Biden. Exactly. They come from God. Yes. And what God giveth, man cannot you know, erase. Amen. Brother. And what this governor is doing is she's making decisions, you know, that go right in the face of the Declaration of Independence. And if that weren't enough, she's going right, she's running roughshod right over to key Supreme Court cases. Absolutely correct. What would you add to that? I don't know that I can't add anything. All right. So this, this is how, I want people to understand, this is how tyrannies start. It, they always yes. start with a... Yes promise of uh this is just a temporary suspension of your rights that's right and Mm -hmm. what's temporary you know starts to become pretty solidified as time and this is right in our backyard yeah and and you folks in new mexico there was a pastor pastor smotherson on his facebook page you know he said it's time to impeach her good for him and i and i totally agree as my uh because this is not, we're not dealing with right-left issues anymore, uh, conservative versus liberal. This is tyranny yeah. versus freedom. Amen. And uh, this is good versus evil I is, agree. is essentially what's happening. And every tin pot dictator in the history of mankind, whether it be Fidel in Cuba or Adolf Hitler, they always <laughs> confiscate people's weapons. Or Trudeau. Or Trudeau, mm-hmm. um, because first comes registration to figure out where everybody's weapons are. Yep. Then comes confiscation, and once they take your weapons away, then it's over. You're, it, it you're now in a full-fledged tyranny because you have no ability to defend yourself against runaway, right. runaway government. Mm-hmm. And so this is the sad direction that we're moving on. Now, the state of California, you know, Governor <laughs> Newsom, Governor Newsom. <laughs> Governor Gruesome, um, according to this article from Breitbart, is about ready to sign a piece of legislation. Incredible. And it is incredible. Here's the uh, title of the article. It says, California passes a bill to strip parents of custody Mm. if they don't affirm a child's gender. So if your kid uh, transitions in terms of gender and the parents aren't on board with that, that is grounds to take your child away. Help us with that article. The California legislator approved a bill this week that would punish parents who do not affirm their child's gender identity. Assembly Bill 957, known as the Transgender, Gender Diverse, and Intersex Youth Empowerment Act, would require custody judges to consider a parent's affirmation of their child's gender as judges consider the health, safety, and welfare of the child when making decisions. As the Daily Signal reported, 
threatening the standard of health, safety, and welfare of a child under the California Family Code can carry penalties under the California Penalty Code, prompting parents, activists, and lawmakers to speculate that AB 957 could result in parents being charged with child abuse or neglect for not participating in a child's transgenderism. Now, let me interrupt you here for a second. We're going to get a quote from uh, California Senator Scott Wilk, mm-hmm. who we've, we've we, when this happened, we, we covered it. Yes, we did. But his statement here is amazing it's because great. he's basically saying, I've lived in California my whole life. I've always felt that we could um, kind of win the cultural battles out here. And what he's saying is uh, it's time to get out of this state. Yeah. If, you, if you value freedom, get out. That's and I'm, I, I respect people that want to stay and fight the fight. I'm just quoting here Senator Wilk. Yeah. You need to get out. He says, in the moment my term, even though I'm a California lifelong resident, I'm leaving this state. And, and he says, I'm moving to America. In other words, California is not Mm. even America anymore. So Mm. what does he say here? In a hearing about the bill, California Senator Scott Wilk said the bill would force parents to leave the state. Quoting, in recent years, we have put government bureaucrats between parents, children, and doctors when it comes to medical care. And now we have this where if a parent does not support the ideology of the government, Children are going to be taken away from their home, Wilkes said, adding, if you love your children, you need to flee California. Now, just to be clear, we're not taking a a position on should you stay in California? Right. Should you leave? We're not getting into that. That's between you and the Lord. What we're saying is the situation in California has become so grave, so precarious, that now these types of statements are being made mm-hmm. because they are moving uh, there and in New Mexico in the direction of tyranny, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, you know, as frustrating as this is to report on, Daniel 7.23 says, says what it says. It does. Uh, it, it says we would move in this direction just prior to the, you know, the, the return of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Um, this This law, which is about to become a law, runs roughshod over something that God said 3,500 years ago. Imagine that. Where in what's called the Hebrew Shema, Mm -hmm. God gave parents authority over their own children. This used to be common sense. Uh, Yes. um, Yes. But now it's being challenged. And what does that scripture say? All right. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel. Maybe we should say, hear, O America. Yes. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. When you can no longer conduct the moral upbringing of your own children because of government regulation, that's your barometer for ascertaining how close you are to to tyranny. Um, Another factor that is contributing to tyranny is this whole issue of debanking. Here we have this article from the Gateway Pundit and it says, what is going on September 11th? Three separate 
coin shop owners are shocked as their banks suddenly shut them down with absolutely no reason given what's happening here. Three separate coin shop owners have found their bank accounts suddenly shut down without any prior notice or explanation from their financial institutions. An Ohio-based coin shop owner recently took to YouTube to share alarming news. His regional bank, with whom he has been a customer for years, has suddenly decided to sever ties by closing all six of his business and personal accounts. What's shocking is that the bank has declined to provide any reason for their abrupt decision, leaving the owner and his family in the dark. And this owner says, I don't think the banks like this type of business. I don't know what they think. We're doing what, uh, what, uh, let's try this again. We're doing here because everything 100% legitimate, but for some reason they don't like it. And we all probably know why. And it's just a shame that they have that much power and that much ability. And they could just close, uh, close your stuff down just like that. Very unnerving. It's very unnerving. This isn't an isolated event. The owner is aware of at least three other businesses, two coin shops and a pawn shop in Ohio that faced the same issue in recent years. Uh, Other coin dealers, gold and silver bullion dealers, and even jewelry shops around the country are experiencing the same phenomenon. And when you sign up with them, you sign the paperwork, meaning when you sign up with the banks, yes. right? You sign the paperwork that says that they can do it at any time. You have no control that has shut you down. So even if your paperwork is all in order, it doesn't matter. There's no legal recourse for businesses affected in this way, as the fine print in bank agreements usually states that they can terminate accounts at any time without reason. Now, here's another... A gold shop dealer that was impacted named Stacker. And this, this statement that's made here is mind-blowing. Yeah. So this is another shop, and here's yes. what they say. That's where you and I have the big disagreement. I think we're going to a cashless society. Sherry said, we'll do that eventually, but I can't see them doing it before this generation dies off. <laughs> Maybe that's why COVID's coming back, why they sent this new strain of COVID. They're just getting ready to kill off that whole generation now. Now, what's happening here, at least according to the mindset of this article, is look, all of these uh, coin gold, you know, outlets, distributors, um, they're in the way of the cashless society. Yes. yes. And so if That's you're on the wrong point. side of the power, power curve, we mm-hmm. get, we're just going to debank you. Mm-hmm. The, now, this debanking, debanking people by being on the wrong side of the narrative government narrative. This has already been done to Farage, Farag, Farage, I think is his name, because he was on the wrong side of the Brexit issue. Yeah. It's already been done to, to Sam Brownback and his organization. It's already been done to Mike Lindell, mm-hmm. who's uh, apparently on the wrong side of the, of the politically correct narrative yeah. concerning voting in, integrity. We have covered uh, Mercola, who was mm-hmm. on the wrong side of the government narrative, uh, they've been debanked. And, and now apparently this is starting to happen to gold distributors in, what is this? The, I think it was the state of Ohio where these things yeah. were happening. Um, and what about all those old goats that, you know, don't want a cashless society? Like me. Yeah. Well, 
you know, we're just waiting for them to die off. And this particular person <laughs> wow. speculates that, gee, maybe that's what the next strain is all about. We've got to get rid of all these old people so we can get the fuddy-duddies out of the way so we can move in a cashless direction. And, wow. oh, by the way, if you're still on the wrong side of the narrative, then we're just going to take away your ability to, mm. to bank. Uh, continue, if you could. Yeah, and the last thing it says here is that when they asked for more information about what was going on, it says despite asking for further clarification, they were stonewalled. Yeah. I mean, sorry, it's in the contract you signed. Yeah. Well, can I have an explanation? Yeah. Uh, you don't even get a return call. No. Um, because they don't like a particular method of, of doing business, yeah. which I guess runs afoul of the cashless, you know, direction they want to push us all into. Mm -hmm. um, well, certainly the United States would stand, even before we get to the United States, what does Revelation yeah. 13, yeah. 16 through 18 says? All so. right. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. And he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell, not even coin people, right? Yeah, right. except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. So being shut out of the economy because you don't act the right way or think the right way, which is ultimately the mark of the beast system, which will come upon the earth one day, yet future in the tribulation period. Doesn't, doesn't, isn't that what this, all these gold shop owners being debanked, isn't that what it reminds you of? They're, they're in the way of the whole digital currency yeah, mark of the beast. That's exactly right. And certainly America would stand, right, Brother Jim? Oh, yes. Uh, but sadly, America has been sort of uh, 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 deceived from within. Yeah, infiltrated uh, and deceived. There's a man in communism, famous communist. Uh, his name is Antonio Gramsci. Mm -hmm. And he says, this is how you, you topple a civilization. You don't do it with a gun. You infiltrate this, the centers of influence, yes. media, academia, um, and you change the values of a culture from within. And now this is happening with all of our key institutions. They've been co-opted by a woke ideology, which is nothing more than Marxism. And here we have this article from justthenews.com. National Archives goes, goes woke. What's going on here? A closer look at the federal agency that sparked former President Donald Trump's first federal indictment shows that it has embraced far-left diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. The little-known federal agency, called the National Archives and Records Administration, was thrust into the national spotlight after it tipped off the U.S. Department of Justice over Trump's alleged mishandling of classified documents. On its website, the agency calls itself a nonpartisan independent group. A deep dive by the center square into its records show it has embraced ideology around gender and race and has reportedly been unwilling to hand over some records of President Joe Biden to investigators. In its 2022 budget request, the federal agency asked Congress for more than $28 million and nearly 150 new staff to advance racial equity and support 
undeserved communities. Now, this uh, this group here, National Archives, which receives a lot of money uh, from the yeah. government, they're the ones that, are, that have caused Trump, you know, uh, who's not even president right now, all, all of these problems concerning records. And, they targeted him. And, 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 you know, he took records, you know, with them to Mar-a-Lago, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. These are the people that leaked all of that. Yeah. And what you see is this whole institution, which is supposed to be neutral and uh, a government agency. As you look at its policies, it's woke Mm -hmm. from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Woke is just another way of saying Marxism. In fact, what are some of their what does some of their training manuals say? Well, before I say that, now we know why they did what (laughs) they did. Exactly. All right. So the National Archives will provide training. And and, and real quick, um, in politics, personnel is policy. Yes. In other words, you can tell the policy of an administration based on the personnel that mm. they put in charge mm. to run these different institutions, wow. which, by the way, is outside of our scope today, but would also <laughs> include the FBI, the IRS, and a number of Oops. others. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, the National Archives will provide training and support. Now, listen carefully to this, folks. To hiring managers to increase the diversity of the NARA workforce. The agency said also pledging to mitigate biases and create safe spaces. The agency said these recommendations came from a report created by the NARA Task Force on Racism that delivered a document to the agency's leadership in 2021 recommending more training on things like white privilege, address offensive behavior by staff with specific training on white privilege and systemic racism, the report said. The task force also uh, defines reverse racism as a fallacy that refers to discrimination against white people. What all this has to do with archives, I have no idea, (laughs) but this is the training that you're subjected to if you work for this agency. And there's more. What the archives is doing is making those who work there and those who hope to be hired or promoted sign a loyalty (laughs) oath, not just to one political party, but to the extremist wing of that party. Mike Gonzalez, an expert at the Heritage Foundation, told the Center Square. Well, no wonder this agency is causing Trump all this trouble. It's it's woke. And that's what Gramsci said to do. Exactly. Don't do it with a gun. Just change the values from within. And this critical race theory, which is just another word for Marxism, Mm -hmm. uh, is, you know, toppling an entire agency here. In other words, what used to be neutral has now become politicized. Absolutely right. Um, So that's our prophecy update for today. Mm -hmm. You know, we dealt with the world against Israel. Uh, the third temple, the Gog, Magog and, uh, alignment, global tyranny on the march, uh, the toppling of the late great USA, which is really the last country standing in the way of tyranny mm-hmm. as it's being changed from within via cultural Marxism. And with all of this, there's actually a note of hope in it. And what is that? Yes, Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Things are not falling apart, Brother Jim. They're falling into place. Just like God said. Just like God said. And people out there that may be listening to this that don't know Christ personally can put their personal trust in Jesus alone and have their eternal destiny changed. 
and no longer be tied into the uh, this world system, which is fading fast, yes. but into the glorious kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is on the horizon. We would encourage people to do that even now as we are talking Amen. very fast by way of infomercials. I want to remind you of our app where we upload our stuff constantly. Get that app because we never know what platforms are going to kick us off. That's true. And we're trying to get our stuff secure as as many platforms as possible. Um, also, I want to draw people's attention to the fact that Pastor's Point of View is available in podcast format. Go to wherever it is you get your podcast. Put Andy Woods Ministries into the search engine and our podcast for Pastor's Point of View will show up. We want to invite people to visit our website, andywoodsministries.org. There's a conspicuous way not only to get our content, which is all there, but also to sign up for our show notes. Yeah. So these show notes and articles that we read from will show up in your inbox every time we pass a, uh, post rather a new pastor's point of view Amen. episode. I want to remind people that the great Curtis Bowers, um, who really is a longtime opponent of the left and communism and many of the things we've been talking about today, is going to be here at Sugarland Bible Church October 8th. Amen. giving two separate messages, one during our adult Sunday school hour and one during our main service. I hope as many people will come for that as Great. possible. I want to remind people that the Worldview Weekend Conference is coming up October 20th through 22nd, featuring, as you can see from the screen, many great Patriot uh, uh, presenters. And the, of course, I want to remind people of the Sugarland Bible Church Prophecy Conference coming up February 23rd and 24th. Registration is filling up fast, so make sure you get your space um, accounted for. Just go to the Sugarland Bible Church website to sign up. We're doing a conference, basically, flood to final days, dealing with creationism and also how a proper interpretation of creationism impacts our understanding of the end times. Great teachers like Russ Miller, Olivier Milnick, Dr. Reagan, etc., will be there. I'm also presenting at that conference. And then also I want to remind people of a school that I'm the president of. If you're interested in seminary training, go visit our, you can see it there on the screen, go to chafer.edu. Edu. That's all I have for today, Brother Jim. Do you have anything you want to add? I just love the Lord Jesus, and I hope you do too. And, and, and as Andy said a moment ago, if you don't know Christ, don't, don't spend another minute without him. Today's the day of salvation. Yeah, put your trust in him today. Yes. And with that being said, we're going to sign off, and we'll see you next time on Pastor's Point of God View. Bless. God bless.